Hi, everyone. I'm John Strausner. And I'm Verda Alexander. And this is Break Some Dishes, an Imagine a Place production. We're looking to places where radical change and transformation are happening. We're talking to people who cross boundaries of their disciplines to use design as a tool to solve the world's most pressing problems. Let's break some dishes. I am here at the, at the uh, CSI Expo in Miami. Uh, it's the cruise ship interior design industry. And I just want to start out by saying I've got an, a great guest today that I think we're going to have a brilliant conversation with. But I want to I start out by saying it's a weird place for a sustainability podcast to be podcasting from. Um, whoever would have thought that I would come to the cruise ship industries expo in Miami, Florida to do a podcast. But I think what's even more unusual is the individual that I found that I'm speaking with today um, is certainly by an outsider's standards an anomaly in the industry. <laughs> I'm here today with John Ingleton. And John, I want you to say hi to everybody and take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us what you're doing. Hi, John. Uh, I hope you haven't set the bar too high for the conversation today. I'm John Ingleton. I'm the uh, executive editor of Cruise and Ferry Interiors, a trade magazine for uh, the cruise ship industry. I also am the editor of Cruise and Ferry Review. Uh, I've been in the industry for maybe 30 years with a little gap in the middle uh, and delighted to be here in Miami and obviously talking to you. So hoping to have a lot of fun in the conversation today. Yeah, well, um, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you how I kind of uh, ran into John. The CSI Expo put me in touch with you because you have just, I think you're going to publish it today. Today's your release date. But um, a cruise industry sustainability report. Yes. So we've, uh, I had dinner at uh, Cruise Ship Interiors Expo in London Uh November, uh, and I sat and had dinner with my, who I think you're going to be talking to later on this podcast. I had dinner with her, and we were talking about sustainability, and obviously the topic's in everybody's mind, uh, but we really, in, in this industry, there isn't really uh, a framework for, for cruise ship uh, interiors to be sustainable, for them to, for, for cruise companies to follow. Uh, it's not like the, uh, the, the land-based built environment where there are five or six at least different frameworks from, from the Brie Group uh, to the US Build, uh, Green Building Council, uh, DNGB in Germany, uh, the Living Well Institute. So there's a, a bunch of land-based building frameworks for, the, uh, for companies uh, to follow uh, when, they're, when they're building hotels or, or other commercial properties. In the cruise industry, there's nothing like it. And we were having dinner in London and talking about what the cruise industry can do. Uh, and how the cruise industry is coping with sustainability beyond the big topics. So the big topics that are that are um, that are inspiring a, a great deal of innovation at the moment are things like uh, engines, so uh, fuel. It's all about reducing emissions, and the industry is doing some incredible things. Both the cruise and the ferry side of the business are doing incredible things. Uh, but when it comes to looking at inside the ship, there's not really a framework for in, uh, for interior designers for 
for interior suppliers, architects to follow. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's really tough, John. It's really tough when when there isn't an agenda, there isn't a written agenda for businesses yeah. to follow. So what do yeah. you do? And that's yeah. hard. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's funny because, I, listen, I mean, the cruise ship industry, you know, everybody loves to hate on the cruise ship industry, right? I mean, it's easy to say it's horrible for the environment and the ecosystems. And, uh, you know, we think about these massive ships and the energy they consume and the carbon that they release, all of that. But the last thing we want to do is... Um, gatekeep sustainability, you know? Well, well, I think it's important, John, if you remember that sustainability isn't just about the environment. It's about economic sustainability and it's about social sustainability. That's right. And so every industry has a part to play you across have three all three pillars. pillars. That exactly. You have three pillars of yeah, sustainability so, that you speak so the, to. So the cruise industry does magnificent things in the economic sustainability pillar and magnificent things in the social sustainability pillar. And it's got a lot of work to do in the environmental pillar, but it's doing a lot of, it's doing a lot of good. It's, it's making incredible changes. And if you look at the shipping industry as a whole, the cruise, the cruise side of the, of the business and the ferry side of the business are really innovating at an extraordinary rate. So what they're doing with, with the movement to, S, uh, to LNG fuel, what they're doing with shore power, so that they're, so that they're uh, not emitting any uh, harmful emissions while in port, it's just incredible. And the rest of the shipping industry, you know, the other 99% of, of, of the world's shipping fleet are now able to benefit from the technologies that the cruise industry and the ferry industry are bringing into, into, into the maritime world. So it's really unfair to, to look at the cruise industry and the ferry industry and say it's not a sustainable industry because it is from a social sustainability pillar and it is from an economic pillar. So it's important now that as, as the cruise industry looks to really tackle uh, the environmental pillar and it's doing great things from a ship efficiency point of view yeah it's really important now that there is some structure given to the way that we build interiors and i think that's one of the things that this show is is really helping to provoke and that's one of the things that our report was all about we're trying to find ways to help interior designers specifiers both with cruise companies so, and, and independent studios yeah. we're trying to find a, a way to help them uh, build innovation into their day-to-day -day work. Ta so ta talk to me a little bit about this sustainability report. I, I have to say that it's over 200 pages. It is not a, uh, a light document by any means. But, I mean, you can say it's quite robust. But just talk, take us through the organization of that, of that document and what you are trying to do with that. Okay, so our, our, our first objective i think was really to find out uh, a little bit more about the state of the industry today okay so we sent we drafted a questionnaire uh, that we that we decided we would send to 500 dip people yeah. from different backgrounds within the industry so yeah. interior designers at cruise companies interior specifiers at cruise yeah. companies who aren't necessarily the same thing third party design i love studios. this idea because your level setting is what you're doing right here. So, and and what we're not doing or what we what we didn't do we didn't look at people who had a natural, obvious public bias towards sustainability. We were looking to get a complete cross-section. Yeah. We weren't Industry filtering. Industry-wide, right? Yeah, we weren't yeah. filtering in any way at all. And from the outset, we said to anybody who was filling in the questionnaire, we said it's candid, it, we want it to be candid, so it'll be independent. We're not going to attribute any quotes to any, any individual. So whatever you say in the report will be anonymous. Yeah. 
And, and we felt that was the best way to get people to open up and, and reveal yeah. some of the real challenges and, and difficulties that they're, that they're struggling with today. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that approach worked. Now, we've, we've name-checked everybody at the front of the, uh, of the report to say thank you for your contribution. Yeah. We haven't just said who said what. You know, so yeah. there'll be no gossiping about, well, maybe there will. Maybe people will be speculating about who said what afterwards because yeah. there is some fairly contentious content in there. Contentious, I think, from, from the point of view... It's a little bit revealing. Yeah. So, so the industry is quite transparent, and I think that's a really incredible uh, asset a, yeah. or characteristic. Uh, you know, for, for an industry to be able to look upon itself and criticize itself, I yeah. think is a really redeeming quality. Critical. So sustainability is a really challenging topic on, on a number of different levels, not just from the getting down and doing it, which is clearly the hardest part. Yeah. But, but when you first start to look at it and you Google what is sustainability, then, then you can't find a consistent definition. So you're starting from a really hard place. Now, if you then say, what is a sustainable interior? Crikey, then, then it becomes really super challenging because nobody can tell you what a sustainable interior is. I mean, I'll give you an example that was given to me. If uh, a, a designer is told, here's, here's a chair. This is made from wood that's been so sourced from a sustainable forest. So that's one chair. It's quite okay. heavy. It's, you know, yeah. it's a really solid. So it's a solid chair that's going to withstand the, the rigors of everyday use on a cruise ship. And let's say that there's been no adhesives used and it's all bolted together. So it's as with recycled steel. So it's, sure. it's really sustainable. So you've, you've got that chair on the one hand. On the other hand, uh, and, and sitting right next to it, there's a plastic chair. And now, and somebody says to you, which is the most sustainable chair? Now, if you're working in a land-based environment where weight doesn't matter, clearly you're going to put, point to the wooden chair. But when you're looking at, an, uh, at a marine environment where weight makes a difference and, and somebody then has to calculate how much does that plastic chair weigh and how much does that, wood, that wooden chair weigh, if that wooden chair is four or five times heavier, then all of a sudden you start thinking about how much more fuel is going to be spent. How many of those chairs are going to be on a right. single cruise ship? And so the, the extra weight of the wooden chair over the plastic chair over, let's say, the 20-year life of the chair or even the 35-year life of the cruise ship, all of the, all of the fuel that's going to be spent on carrying that extra weight around over those 35 years is quite significant. This is the complication of sustainability, sustainable design, um, climate change, climate active. I mean, this is, you, you fall into these rabbit holes and we call them, we also call them regrettable substitutions, right? Where you think you're removing something from your specification list and you're replacing it with something that you think is a better choice. But then once you start to evaluate all these feedback loops, you realize that maybe you didn't make the right choice after all. So just getting back to the questionnaires, for yeah, us, yeah. You know, we asked people to be candid, and what we wanted was to produce a report that, that, that showed a warts and all state of the industry today. And yes, there are some, you know, some glossy statements in there, perhaps at face value, yeah. but it's hard. When people don't know what a sustainable interior is, when you can't define it, then how can, how can anybody write a statement to say what they're doing and what their aspirations are, what their vision is for their sustainable ships, if there isn't a definition to pin it against. You're saying it. It doesn't have the certifications. It doesn't have the standardized business practices in place that it needs to follow for consistency, for reporting, 
doesn't have that yet, no. and it needs to get there. No, it doesn't have it. I mean, there are there are cruise lines who've who followed a lead like or a bream type of um, yeah. checklist for for when they've been building uh, building ships, and they followed it. And they uh, and I think the the feedback I've got is that they've been quite successful in the way that they've approached the build and 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 the way that they've managed to achieve a reason you know a pretty high standard but but there's you know there isn't a, a framework that they can follow and and get a certificate to say yes you've done that and you've deserved the silver or gold standard hey, tell me do you have a perspective from the designers yet where are they i know that you did this report with my newen who is a, a design director for holland america Holland America Group, yeah, including uh, Seaborn and Prince. Okay, so, and reading what she had to say was was wonderful. So she's pushing the the conversation. Yeah, I mean, we really need people like Mai because because people like Mai will drive the agenda and make it incredibly important. So where we where we are today, in my mind, yep. is the cruise lines naturally. The cruise lines naturally want to be more sustainable. Everything that they're doing every day in building ships and refurbishing ships yeah. is to try and become more sustainable. And as I mentioned earlier, some of the innovations are, are absolutely mind-blowing. And they want to achieve that with, uh, with their interior builds too. Yeah. But it's yeah. really hard at the moment to, to measure uh, one product against the other. So using that wooden chair, plastic chair example, or, or looking at two different carpets. And... and there's a great challenge that's that's come about now, as as more cruise lines and and, and interior designers are are saying, okay, we want you to tell us about how sustainable you are, Mr. Supplier, Mrs. Supplier, uh, before we decide whether you're going to we're going to specify you. So they're asking the suppliers to fill in a questionnaire. Well, all the designers have got dis- different questionnaires. All the cruise lines have got different questionnaires. So yeah. now, all of a sudden, yeah, every right. supplier has been asked to fill in 100 different questionnaires. That's a lot of work, yeah. And it's a huge amount of work. And some of those suppliers are spending two, three, four hours a day working oh, yeah. through a questionnaire because they desperately want to be specified yeah. for that ship. If you imagine that they've got to work through, there are 140 cruise lines if you include river cruises expedition cruises in the world so if they've got to work through and then you add on all the different designers and sometimes there are half a dozen designers working on a same ship project they might have to fill in half a different half a dozen different questionnaires for the same ship project well and and, yeah and that's that's really challenging we don't even have a standardized questionnaire for supplies to answer and so the challenges uh, that exist aren't just in how do we become more sustainable the challenges are how do we compare what uh, one product on a like-for-like basis yeah. for how sustainable they are does it matter and, uh, and the designers when they get those questionnaires back do they know whether a carpet should have 40 percent polyester in it does the specifier the cruise line or the or the third-party studio design studio does that designer know what is the optimum from a sustainability perspective? What is right. the optimum percentage of polyester that needs to be in, in, in a carpet? They don't. And, and uh, yeah, because the carpet companies presumably are the experts at that. But if one carpet company's got 30% polyester and the other's got 50% polyester, then they're both going to yeah. say that that's I mean, the optimum level. The, it's, you know, the good news and the bad news here. The, you know, the bad news is that you're way behind, right? I mean... You're talking about issues in design that the interior design industry, what do you call it, you know, on the ground, you know, 
has been dealing with for years, right? Yeah, but these but kinds of product look, certifications. But wherever I look, John, uh, in for land-based examples, there are challenges too, and there are disagreements about absolutely about which it's far it, you know, what is a sustainable product. Now, I have yeah. seen a variety of different uh, uh, different formulas for how you measure uh, a product, and some of them, on the face of it, are reasonably scientific, but but you know, and uh, appear to be based on math, yeah. you know, mathematics and yeah. and sound principles. But somebody's got to ratify that and say that's the industry standard, so, and we can use that in yeah. the cruise industry, and, and you know, and borrow best yeah. practice from land. Well, but somebody's got to say this is the best practice, and yeah. I don't know whether whether that's you guys or some other association, whether you know. that's whether that is your, uh, U.S. Green Building Council or or the Breed Group or DNGB we, or the Living uh, Well listen, Institute. Listen, I mean, and so. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to play the devil's advocate a little bit here. I'm going to be a little bit mm, confrontational. Okay, but, proto I. Okay, but um, why do you think it's taken the cruise industry so long to get where you are right now? Okay, John, that's really harsh. Just as a question from this from the outset, if you think it was about, loaded, was it loaded? It, yeah, it's <laughs> it was loaded. A bit loaded. So. The cruise industry, firstly, has mirrored many, many, many of the land-based uh, interior design principles and practices. But it's a really young industry, really. I mean, you can go back, you know, a hundred odd years and, and more to the yeah. to the origins of the cruise industry and talk about those. You know, everybody likes to talk about the Titanic and those yeah, early days. Right. So you can go back that far. Okay, but, the, okay. but the modern cruise industry really came about in the eighties. Okay. So we're only talking about forty years. Okay. And and so if we look at that as ground zero for the contemporary cruise industry, yeah, yeah. then 40, you know, 40 years ago, 40 years to today, the journey has been short, but it's been really dramatic, not just from the, from the interiors of ships, but from the efficiency of the hull shape, the efficiency of the, of the engines. Yeah, and yeah. You, know, you look at the, the billowing smokestacks of the 70s and 80s, well, look at the billowing smokestacks from the tw 1920s, mm -hmm. and, and then yeah. look at an LNG ship that's uh, sailing with almost invisible emissions now, or when it's sitting in port and it's running off shore power and it's not got the engines running at all because shore power, you know, sustainable electricity is powering the hotel operations while it's in port. That's just an incredible change, a real paradigm shift from where, from where the industry used to be. So I think when people look at the cruise industry or the ferry industry and say it's unsustainable or, and it's got a horrible reputation, I think you neglect to look at where it's come from and how far it's come. It's very easy to sit on a high land-based yeah, horse and say, our industry is land-based, we don't, we can we don't sail around. Yeah, yeah. You, we can you, be a little judgy. You can't be a little judgy. It's, you know, they're totally different industries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you're not judgy about the, about the, the furniture that's, uh, that's sailed in from China on a ship to, delivered to your hotel. And we are probably a little bit too defensive about, about where the industry sits today. And, and I react probably a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit uh, too harshly on a, uh, you know, a land-based uh, vacation option or uh, land-based design when you, when you don't look at the whole industry, the whole so, three pillars of the cruise industry and where it was and where it's, so the industry is doing its very best to become as sustainable from a hardware point of view. Yeah. So the, not just the interiors of ships, but the, the, the ship itself and the efficiencies that, of the propulsion and navigation systems of the whole shape. So yeah. the whole industry... Every little piece of the industry 
is having a, a sustainability battle to, to just achieve more and more each day. And that's all sustainability is because there's no hotel that's, uh, that's sustainable. There's no individual that really that's truly sustainable. We all have an impact on the planet. We and do. all, all yeah. that we can ask everybody to do is to try and become a little bit more sustainable tomorrow than you are today. And, and whether that's in, in the way that you live your personal life or the way that you, that you live through your work, just be a little bit more sustainable tomorrow than you are today. And if that, if that mantra is p picked up by everybody in the cruise industry, yeah, yeah. then we're going to be left in a wonderful place. Well, and, I, and, and we'll yeah. achieve small steps on a, on a regular basis. And yeah. every now and then we'll achieve giant steps. Yeah, yeah. And those giant steps are going uh, to realize a paradigm shift in the industry. And, and one of those paradigm shifts might be the setting up of a, of a building framework, a green building framework for the interiors of cruise yeah. ships. Well, perhaps. there's your North Star right there. Right, right and now. I, right and now, I'm, I think. Listen, I'm cheering for you. I'm cheering for you all the way. I, I, I think somebody's got to pick it up. You got to start somewhere. That's, that's what I keep going back to is I, I want to applaud those companies that are taking these initial steps that are sharing. They're sharing what they know. They're sharing what they don't know. Right. And I think eventually you'll reach a point where you're going to be telling the industry, let's not try to be a little bit better, but rather let's try to be the best and let's try to fix. Let's not try to be less bad anymore. Let's try to fix and restore and repair and regenerate. And I think that's, to me, that's your North Star for the cruise industry. Can you get to the point where the industry is regenerating the environment, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you'll know that in the land-based uh, hospitality industry, there's a real challenge with a refurbishment project where yeah. you strip out a hotel uh, and you've got all, all of these goods that are, um, that are unwanted in, in that pristine hospitality environment. And, and the hotel in industry really struggles to find a home, a second life or a third life for those interior products. So the cruise industry, that's a huge challenge. And it's made more difficult in yeah. a, a maritime environment because... Yeah. Mai talks about that a little bit in what she yeah. writes in your report. Yeah, and you, and you can talk to other cruise lines. It, it, that's, and that's another, for us right now, that's another massive massive challenge yeah and that's and that's not the cruise industry not wanting to do anything yeah. because they've worked really hard to try and donate stuff to land-based charities she uh, says and, it it's it's going to come down you need regulation i mean i hate to say it but that's that's what we all need here well we need generous regulators too because right now for a chair to go on board a cruise ship it needs to pass rigorous safety checks and yet uh, more rigorous, you know, particularly from a flame oh, yeah. retardancy, for example, than it might need to go in a hotel. Yeah. Yet when it comes off a ship, the regulators won't let it be given uh, to uh, a charity. Right. To be, so, yeah. so we need generous regulators to look at that chair sympathetically and say, okay, Keep we it know it's landfill. super safe. Keep we know it that, that it's not going to burst into yeah. flames when it comes off a ship and yeah. goes into yeah. uh, a homeless shelter. We know that that, ha that, sh that chair should, could have a second yeah. life and then a third life and yeah. a fourth life. So my, my last question, and then I'm going to let you get back to, to work. Um, I truly appreciate the time today. It's been really nice talking to you and getting and to you know too, you a little John. bit. What are you going to do next? So you, you've got the sustainability report. I think you're going to be making some waves, pardon the pun, <laughs> making some waves. So what's next for you? I think the, the, the next thing, we've spoken about the big challenge, the, the North Star of having uh, a sustainable building framework for, the, for, the, for cruise ships. Yeah, yeah. I think our next really big, our first really big goal on the route to that, to that journey is to find a way to get 
a formal group together of like-minded individuals to, to, uh, to come together and say, right, how can we work together collaborative to make some of the, to, to stimulate okay. some of these big steps. Force multiply. And I think that yep. needs yep. You know, the industry associations like Clear and Interferry, I think that needs them to come into the group. I think it needs the shipyards to come into the group. You only need to go to the Clear we uh, website and look at what they're doing for the environment to see that they're, that they're innovating and they're stimulating in, uh, innovation on behalf of and their and members so every important. day. So important to start poking those coals and yeah. getting them fired up. So Absolutely. I'm going to give you a, a nugget here to take away, and um, I'm giving you full carte blanche, okay? Your industry certification, it can be SHIP, and that can stand for Sustainability Helps Industry Performance. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the nugget. You can have nugget. that. Oh, well, I'm giving you. that to you. <laughs> thank you, John. Don't be offended if we don't use this. <laughs> I will be because I think that's cool. <laughs> no, Thank you, John. Brilliant. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining Thank you today. Much indeed. Good luck, by the way. Yeah, you're, yeah we need a little you're, luck. Yeah, you're taking need... on a big. Uh, this is this is huge. I, yeah. I'm really excited for you. And I'm really excited because podcasts like this, getting the word out, everything we can do to keep telling the story, keep getting people on board, and and joining the joining the group that isn't yet formed but will will be one day. Yeah. All headed in the right direction. We'll get there. Thanks very much, John. Yeah. I am here at the Cruise Ship Expo, the Cruise Ship Interiors Expo, with Mai Wen. And Mai is the Director of Design for Holland Group Cruise Line, right? Holland America Group. Holland yeah. America Group. I didn't do a good job with that either. Holland <laughs> no. America Group. <laughs> and we're here to talk today because you are really, you've put yourself kind of at the forefront of sustainability and the cruise industry. And I just want to say that John Ingleton was kind enough to send me, before publication, his sustainability report. And I think? gave him a lot of grief about it when we talked because it's only 202 pages. Just 202. <laughs> but, um, you know, first of all, congratulations. You got to start somewhere. Thank right? you. Yes, absolutely. So let's start with a little bit of your own origin story. I'd like to know how, how you got here today. So how did you get into design? How did you more specifically get into cruise ship design take me from like you know when you were a wee lass <laughs> sure well we lass i was born in vietnam and we were a refugee family oh, so we escaped wow. in a little fruit boat uh, to this malaysia is, from south you vietnam were, you, this is you and your parents this is me and my family yeah uh, how, there were so how big was your fa is your family family of four my dad um he basically orchestrated this escape and spent an entire year just looking at where all of the communist stations were on the Mekong River. And this is probably a, a whole new yeah. episode, but, but sorry, keep sorry. going. <laughs> but keep going. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I mean, it's this hilarious. I, um, I'm designing ships and I came to America in a boat. So maybe that's yeah, where yeah. my full circle is. <laughs> there's something, yeah, there's something biological yeah. here at work. Yeah, but we, we escaped to Malaysia in a little boat that my dad orchestrated selling watermelon. So 18 of us hit at the bottom and we made it out into the open ocean. We made it to Malaysia. We were the first boat. How long, how long did it take? 
took two two sea days. Oh, and oh my God. it was it was kind of a miracle. Actually, how old were you? I was two. Okay, and actually, my dad uh, rigged engine parts from air conditioning parts to create an extra engine for power just right, in we're case. We're gonna have to have your father on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, wow! when we escaped, it was so dark, there was another boat that escaped next to us that the communist station saw. But, but we thought it was us that they had identified. Yeah. And so we turned on the engines. My dad turned on the engines, which is diesel engine, which is incredibly loud. And so they spotted both boats, the one next to us and our boat. And we were able to outrun the communists because of these engine parts that my dad had made out of this air conditioning parts. Anyways, um, pretty incredible story. Okay. And it's really made me who I am now, I think, coming from nothing. How could it not? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I came as a refugee from Vietnam. We escaped to Malaysia. We were there for eight months, and we were lucky enough to be sponsored to America, and we were sponsored to Seattle from a Episcopalian church that identified that our family was from a village that one of the members was from. Really a serendipitous, a connection. lucky connection. We, Because my dad um, came to Malaysia, he actually sunk the boat to allow for us to go ashore. Otherwise, the Malaysian um, government was pushing all refugees to a refugee island. So there were thousands of people on this island waiting to get identified. My dad, knowing our chances would be really slim, so he took the chance and sunk the boat. So we all swam ashore with absolutely nothing. The only thing we had was each other, our lives, and the clothes on our back. Oh my God! So, so somebody tucked you, you know. Yeah. In a, so in a I've been under the swing. And swam and <laughs> yeah, we literally swam ashore. That's crazy. Um, and when we were when we came to Seattle, we really only had what people gave us. Um, we were just so grateful for for people donating whatever they had, yeah. dishes, clothes yeah. that didn't fit us, whatever. It was yeah. just really, really nice. Um, from a young age, a wee age, I was one of those kids that just knew what I wanted in life, which is kind of rare. I mean, from the eighth grade, I knew I wanted to be an interior designer, even okay. though I didn't right. even know what interior design was. Yeah. Um, my parents were parents that, despite the social pressures that you have as refugee families coming to a developed country where your child needs to be a lawyer or a doctor or something that has status so that you can justify to your family back in Vietnam that you've made it. They really allowed for me to just follow my heart and my passion, which was art, art and design. So as an eighth grader, I really loved the idea of internal environments and how Space planning and furniture and finishes and color really made people feel a certain way. Like you could control that with your vision as a designer. Wow. So I was passionate about that. I also am a fine artist in my past life. I have a BFA in oil painting and I am uh, one of those hyper color experts. So I see color in tones that are probably way more complex wow. than most people see. So this is funny. This, so this is actually, this conversation that I'm having with you right now, um, <laughs> is, Break Some Dishes is part of a um, 
a, a bigger um, production company called Imagine a Place Productions. Oh. And um, my friend uh, and partner, uh, Doug Shapiro, would absolutely love to talk with you because that's what he talks about is, oh. is place and, and how people can impact place. And absolutely. So, yeah, th- he's going to be jealous that I'm having this oh. conversation with you well, right I'm now. Well, I'm honored that you're thinking of me for this, <laughs> well, so thank you. Well, know, I'll tell you something else. I was, explaining this, I was explaining this to Doug the other day that I used to paint when I was little, yeah. and then I stopped painting because I got really self-conscious about it. You know, mm. and I, and I think that painting is very much like finding your voice. Like Absolutely. at some point you have to stop worrying about, is anybody going to like it? It's what I need to say or it's what I need to do. Yes. And so it's really interesting that you have an outlet, that you're an artist. I mean, the, the, the pieces are starting to fall into place here. Okay. Mine. They're falling into place. Well, I think the way that our mind and our eyes and our hand coordinates with the way we see things as designers is really important. And I'm grateful for my fine art background because I see proportion and color and space. And I feel like, you know, you mentioned you're a painter. I feel like when you do a painting, you know when it has a soul. There's just something you can't describe. But when the colors and the materiality comes together when you create art, there's just something that clicks. It's right. Like it sings. Yeah, Oftentimes yeah. when I do color consulting, I say, do the color sing to mm. a client? And then you just know. It's mm. that, like that finesse mm. that you just know if something sings. You mm. don't know if something sings from a rendering. No. You know if it sings because you've Funny. visualized it in your brain and yeah. you feel it and you just know. Yeah. And, you know, to give you an example, because I, I'm very passionate about materials and color, Our last um, new build ship, the Rotterdam, was delivered during the pandemic. And typically when I would go uh, to the shipyards, we would do mock-ups after mock-ups. And you would be in a room with 20 people looking at things, looking at the materiality. And I had to do it all in my home office, which was my converted laundry room. Of course, yeah. Because you do these mock-ups, right? Right. And so I had to train my brain and my eyes to look at small samples and visualize it in my head if it would sing or not. And fortunately, you know, the ship's been delivered. I was able to see the outcome and I was so happy with it. Really? Um, that I thought, okay, now this might be a new normal too. Is this how you're going to design. Is this the new normal for you? I think in some ways, yes, because we've, we're moving to a hybrid model. I think people value their personal time and their mental health and they don't need to commute. It's terrible for the environment <laughs> to yeah. commute, right? Yeah. And so if you can do something like hybrid working for design, you really have to fine-tune your superpowers of visualization mm. and communication. And I find that that both in some ways is lacking in kind of the new, the new breed of designers now because in school it's a lot about concept and theory and uh, two-dimensional things or three-dimensional modeling but you're not training your brain to actually visualize a real space and find the soul in that when you're designing it. Yeah, you're yeah. relying on a lot of tools, which is also great, but I yeah. think there's there's a gap there that would yeah. be really great to fill. I've heard, I've heard a lot of designers say that, that coming out of school, you don't understand space mm-hmm. like the you spatial will relation. some experience. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is the proportion of things, too. Um, I see... You know, if if you have a visualization ability, 
then you can see how materials in proportion work together. Yeah. Because what might look good in a layout looks great in that proportion, but the visual real estate in real life might be totally off in proportion. And if you can't visualize that, yeah. it's not a successful design. Interesting. So um, talk to me a little bit about cruise ship design. Um, you're obviously you're busy on projects that are renovation projects. You're busy on obviously new build projects. How often is Holland America Group, how often are you building new ships? Constantly building new ships, constantly renovating. Between Holland America Group, we have 35 floating cities. And each city, by regulation, needs to go into dry dock twice every five years. So basically, you're looking at a two- to three-year leapfrog of, or a, a, a leap of renovation cycles. Okay. So if you do the math, 35 times five years, you know, it's, you're, you have like 20 ships in dry dock every year. <laughs> You had a lot to say in in John's sustainability report, which I, I really want to talk about, you know, your perspective on sustainability, given your experience in the cruise ship industry. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you, like, this is a passion point for you, is it not? It's absolutely a passion point of mine. And as I mentioned in the introduction of the sustainability report, I am not... An activist. Like, I, have, I don't think of myself as an activist, but I absolutely am an advocate of things that I'm passionate about. And sustainability to me, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny that I'm seen as this person that has, you know, gone to the forefront for marine sustainability because, I mean, it just came naturally. Honestly, I just spoke from my heart um, to the right audience that got inspired to do the next step and that's what we need right now yeah you say in the in the report it started out with just conversations around a dinner table type of thing absolutely yeah. and and what i found is if you really speak about something you're passionate about then it sticks mm. it sticks with people yeah and then they find that they're actually really passionate about that too and that yeah. sticks with other people that they talk to. And that's how you start change. Yeah. We need some big change in the marine interior sector. Um, I wouldn't be speaking about this if I felt like we were far ahead. Mm. You know, it's a big elephant in the room. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in fairness, the marine industry is doing so many amazing things on the sustainability front. That's back of house. That yeah. is wonderful. I told Greg, I said, he was explaining a lot of this to me. Right. And it was the first time that I had heard it, how, how you know, obviously the recycling, but mm -hmm. beyond the recycling to the liquefied um Yeah, the gas. food digesters. I mean, all Did this you know stuff. about that? No. Do you want to know what a food digester is? <laughs> well, I think he told me that. He, instead yeah. of like, where you maybe you would normally compost, instead uh -huh. you use these food digesters to, yeah, what does it do again? It's he these just told me, big but. vessels yeah. where the crew have to separate all of the food. So you have bones and hard things that yeah. you, you can't digest. Yeah. And then you have everything else. So just yeah. imagine like a big vessel of slop right. with all these, all these um, little microorganisms that eat away with it and turn it into liquid. And then it doesn't go into... It doesn't take up space in a landfill. It doesn't, yeah. And it's, and years it's a ago, natural 
years and years and years ago that just would have been garbage bag after garbage bag filled up with this absolutely all these food scraps yeah i mean years and years ago it's kind of scary what would just get dumped into the ocean i'm gonna ask you the same question yeah i asked john i'm gonna be the devil's advocate okay you know only because you kind of said it a little bit. Okay. But like, why has the cruise ship industry taken so long to really start to, or in your opinion, has it not been that long? They just haven't made a big deal out of it. Okay. This is just my personal theory. My personal theory and observation is that the cruise industry has always gotten away with having a certain mystique. You have these avid cruisers that would cruise regardless, was sexy to cruise, and you can rely on that revenue stream for decades because okay. they didn't have to try harder because, you know, they didn't need to. Yeah. I mean, if I think about how cruise design has progressed, it's really only been 10 to 15 years that the cruise industry opened up design to land-based hospitality designers and welcome them into even design and pitch ideas for the marine industry. Really? So if you think about that timeline, it's, yeah. it, you know, like there's some old school thought going on there, right? Yeah. Now, one of the things I mentioned in, in the um, sustainability panels last year is that I want to make sure that my kids and my grandkids think cruising is amazing and want to do that as a vacation. They are not the clientele that is keeping the cruise industry in business right now. Yeah. The clientele keeping the cruise industry in business right now are still that clientele of, um, you know, past cruisers that would cruise regardless. But yeah. that is changing. Yeah. You can't design a business for something that worked 20 years ago. you got to design a business for something that will work in 20 years and beyond. Yeah. And sustainability yeah. is absolutely an important factor a whole for our future generations. Yeah. That I, the yeah. cruise industry didn't really need to I mean they were certainly aware, but did they need to put a lot of investment dollars in it? Yeah. Not so much. So, you know, that has changed in a way in the last 10 years, you know, because we're talking about food digesters and L&D yeah. ships and absolutely. Well, and you write you about know. furniture yeah. Talk about that. Like, you know, when the furniture has to be replaced. Oh, it's it, it's so heartbreaking. And, you know, honestly, I I wish I have this vision. You know, you have HGTV where people flip houses every day. Like, can we just have some vendors that can flip furniture? Yeah. Because there's perfectly good furniture on every cruise ship, on every brand. We... We know somebody. Oh, just so you know. Yay. Yeah, we just had somebody on the podcast a couple weeks ago from a company called Receipt. Okay. And that's what they do. They they save furniture and repurpose it and find homes for it. That's so fabulous. We'll put you in touch with her. But oh, talk a I would bit love, about this. I, I, didn't, love that I don't want to interrupt connection. you. No, I just feel like there's a lot of waste from an interior standpoint that we need to do better at. And it's an elephant in the room. You can't give it away, right? You can't. When you take it off a ship? You can give it away. I mean, we've been able to recycle or donate about 5%. And if you think about the volume of these floating cities, that's still a lot that yeah. we have been able to donate, which yeah. has been great. However, it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. It takes bandwidth. It takes people. It takes yeah. time. It takes 
200 emails it takes coordination and yeah. when it comes down to that stress of time you know you have to make these split decisions of what to do and it would be so purposeful and amazing if we had a group that knew about port taxes and legislation and you know what ports you can donate more easy in countries that would be open to that and you know, it's just a lot of layers of complication that make it really difficult for yeah. cruise brands to just say, here's 1,800 dining chairs that don't fit our brand anymore, but are perfectly good somewhere. It sounds like you need that. That would be somebody's actual role would be like furniture repurposer. <laughs> I mean, if if I got a call about that, they would have so much of my time. That's crazy. And I don't have time right now. Let's trial it. Let's figure out how to donate and recycle all of this waste that comes out of these refits. I'm all ears. Oh, my God. And I absolutely Amazing. would have colleagues that what do you would need? be What interested. does the industry need, do you think, to really you know, continue to push this sustainability conversation forward? Well, I'm excited about this conversation. I'm excited about the Cruise and Ferry Sustainability Report and the Sustainability Design Summit that's happening in London what the industry needs is this, like all of us talking about it, caring yeah. about it, and actually wanting to do something about it. Yeah. I don't think that there's a lack of interest in people w wanting to do good. Yeah. I think there is a hesitation and kind of a overwhelming feeling of, oh, I don't know what I could do anyway, so I'm just not going to do anything. The advantage of these types of conversations is someone from humble beginnings like myself who just really cares about something can speak up and inspire people and more people want to do things about it, which makes more people want to do things about it. And then you start having groups that can change things. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it just starts with resonating the right yeah. way and it being a little less scary and people feeling like they actually can it's a big, it's contribute. A big job. I was kind of laughing at myself because I'm so passionate about the sustainability topic to try to advocate for our interior design industry that it's not about myself having exposure. I mean, I could certainly spend time making the CEOs aware of what I'm doing, but yeah. that's not where I want to spend my job. time. <laughs> I want to spend my time actually doing something about yeah. it. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe that's not a good thing on my end because if they don't know about it, then, you know, yeah. like how would they know, right? Right. Knowledge is power. Um, exactly. I mean, I certainly plan to send the sustainability report more because it's such a great piece of literature that's educational and has yeah. so much content and talks about next steps. What are some and of the things you're doing with Holland America Group? Oh, there's, there's a couple of pilot things that I'm really excited about. One is this carpet vendor that we um, have partnered with called Dance Quilt, and they do a lot of our um, cabin and corridor carpets. And at one of our previous dry docks, we were able to salvage their product and send it to them. And so they are going to turn that product into another product. So we're talking about possibly making into furniture frames or maybe signage plaques or something um, to take a product that we know we can, it's very hard to do cradle to cradle, but maybe we can upcycle it. Maybe we can innovate 
and have yeah. that story for it to come back onto That's the ships so cool. in another form. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to say to take it one step further mm -hmm. and tell your passengers Absolutely. what that used to be. Yes. I mean, the younger generation are going to be curious about that, right? Yes. And, you know, again, it's not for a marketing thing, but that's a bonus yeah. if yeah. Um, people get excited about it because you bring awareness to it. And yeah. it takes, it really takes a lot of innovation and prioritization to do something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I really hope that that inspires other vendors to think outside the box and try yeah. to do things too, because it's an investment on their end, of course. Yeah. It's an investment on our end as well. I mean, I choose what I spend my day to do. Yeah. And if I'm designating an hour of my time for that, it means it's an hour of my time not focusing on something else. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's a really important topic. That's and the great, vendors need an innovation yeah. and ideas from... It's an amazing innovation. And what a great, you know, you're doing it. And I was going to say that a lot of times when you're doing something like that project with the flooring company, mm -hmm. you're doing it and you want to talk about it, but you don't want it to seem like you're only doing it so you can to market talk it. About it right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's that authenticity that is always, you're always walking that line of we want to be authentic, mm -hmm. but we also want to tell people like these are great stories. What it else? Is. What else are you doing that you're really excited about? Are you having conversations about what they call supply chain visibility? I feel like I, I read it in the report. I don't know if you wrote it or sure. John wrote it. Supply chain visibility, meaning how a product gets from A to yeah. B. Yeah, so the vendors that you're working with, you know, are you starting to have conversations with them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's such a passion of mine. Partnering with vendors is a huge passion of mine because I truly believe as a designer, you're as good as your product. Yeah. And how do we even know what product is out there without our vendors? Yeah. So the wonderful thing about our job in this position that we're in is that we have this leverage and this buying power and I always have ideas and I love it when vendors come to me and say, Hey, we're thinking about piloting this, but what do you think? Is this something that would be interesting for cruise brands? So I would only speak yeah. from my perspective, of course, yeah. every cruise brand is different. You're right. But you know, we have four cruise brands under Holland America group. I mean, that's a pretty yeah, good, that's a bit... good sampling, right? Wow. Of cruise brands. And Absolutely. There are so many conversations now with vendors about where to put their research dollars. I'm constantly giving feedback of vendors showing me their first draft of sustainability product. And I'm very transparent with what I love, what I don't love, some ideas of where I could see that application going versus if I just wouldn't even choose it because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And those open conversations are very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And that's what keeps you thinking. That's what keeps you incentivized. And Yeah. And it's... It's what helps vendors know where to put their research dollars. Yeah. Because they need to understand what our our priorities are. Yeah. What are our standards? What yeah. are our priorities? What about standards? Do you think that that's what your the industry needs too? Do you think you absolutely. need some ship standards? We absolutely do. And I'm excited for the sustainability summit that's in London because that's that's a big agenda item. Yeah. Is let's get us all in a room together, throw it all out on the table yeah. and start editing down to what we find as commonalities of what a standard can be. Mm. 
I mean, imagine if every cruise brand and designer had a top five of standards that was always their go-to, that was a consistent message. We would be so far ahead in five years. Yeah, and and to think about um, building a ship and, you know, being able to put a, a plaque on that ship that tells the passengers that, you know, you have a responsibility to save the planet and this plaque represents a lot of hard work, right? And Absolutely. People, you know, it's only a plaque. I get that. But but people need to understand if I'm getting on a, just like if I go into a building and I, I see a lead platinum plaque on that building, I think, oh, that's awesome. That certification goes a little bit a little bit further. Absolutely. You know? And so. I'm hopeful that we can get there for the marine industry. Yeah. I think it just hasn't been a focus. I mean, you have lead gold, lead platinum. Yeah. We have the, the framework to to work upon that. Yeah. You just have a floating city that is a, a moving target. You right. don't have, you know, one building built in a place and you source from 300 miles around that perimeter. Yeah. Um, it's just a totally different do you, I, you know, when I was reading the report, I saw a lot of, you know, companies. And by, by the way, and I told John this, it's great that you had such a response. Yes. And I think you want that to applaud. That was telling, right? You want to applaud that because Absolutely. those are companies that are like, they're they're being open and they're being honest. And they're they're saying, this is what we think. Yeah. And we may not be right. Right. We may not be perfect. Right. Let's not let perfection stand in the way of good. Right. And so I think that that's all great. I heard a lot of language. I heard a lot of net zero. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, how far away from net zero is the cruise industry? Can you even fathom it? I can fathom anything. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you, you were at the age of two. You were swimming through the ocean. I mean, if there's anything that I've learned being a refugee is that if you put your mind to something, it is attainable. Yeah. I think net zero, we have a, we have a ways to go. Absolutely. I mean, how much is net zero even land-based, right? And then you can... Don't, yeah, don't get me started on the whole term. Net zero. Right. You know, it's uh-huh. funny because, you know, I'm not an expert in the cruise industry. I'm just really dipping my toes in it. And so I want to be really inclusive and I don't want to be judgy. Right. I was joking with, um, John that, you know, the interiors industry can be very judgy. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yes. Right. And I'm like, (laughs) but, but, you know, as you start to peel away the layers Mm -hmm. of climate impact and your footprint on the climate, you'll start to hold yourself accountable to better reporting. And, and better standards. And that's just progress. That's that's progress. It's an iterative process. Yeah. But, you know, you'll look at reporting and you'll say, we used to report out like this 10 years ago. It's not acceptable anymore. Now we're going to be reporting out in a different way, using different standards and yeah. different language. That we've got to crack that code and figure out how to be consistent with those standards, which we're doing. We're having yeah. these conversations. It's yeah, fantastic. It is. And, you know, as far as judgment, we will naturally, like, I, I don't even know how to say this. Let's see. By nature of our impact in the environment, it doesn't matter if you're judging someone or not. I mean, the outcome is the outcome. Yeah. Like, we have a responsibility. Who cares who's judging or not? Yeah. Like, we need to 
We need to move Buckle fast. Up. <laughs> Buckle up and just get shit done. <laughs> Buckle up, Buttercup. Here we right. go. Get shit done. We got to get shit done. We got to get shit done. Let's not worry about hurting anybody's feelings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think, are you going to see, a, are you going to see, are you going to design a ship one day that is, you know. As sustainable as possible, whatever that means. Yeah. Absolutely. Like is, I mean, we're right now what? Let's see. Let's mark us in time. We're in June 2022. And at this point in time, if you asked 100 designers what a sustainable material in interiors is, if you ask 100 designers what a sustainable interiors is, you would have 100 different, 100 different answers. answers. And John writes that yeah. in that sustainability yeah. report. Yeah. And I am hopeful that in 10 years, we're going to ask that same question. Let's just tell each other we're going to see each other in 10 years. And ask that question. Oh, my God. And yeah. I am 100% confident that there's going to be more clarity. There's going to be so many more examples. And it's not going to be a question. It's going to be statements of how to make it even better better how to improve it because it'll already be in our dna yeah in 10 years it has to be it absolutely has to be and i know yeah we don't have just, a we don't have a choice yeah we don't have a choice by nature of how life goes what priorities are what the future is thinking it's going to naturally fall that way anyways so why not embrace it now yeah and do something about it we're the subject matter experts from interiors we know we know the history we can see in the future. We have to do something. And I think there's so many people like me, they just might not have had the opportunity to voice that idea or thought or had a platform to be a part of something to contribute. And that's all changing. Yeah. And so I'm uh, just by nature of how many people responded to the sustainability report, John and I put together those questions, and it was not a light questionnaire. I mean, it That's was what he said. three pages. Yeah, yeah. And we cast the net out thinking, okay, we even prompted it by saying, don't worry about answering every question. We just want to hear from you. And the overwhelming response of care and time that people took to do that is very telling yeah. of how many people can advocate for this yeah, topic yeah. for this near future so i'm very excited yeah um this has been so much oh, fun so we're definitely going to talk again absolutely for sure. it's been a pleasure and yeah, thank you thank for you taking so the time much. yeah it was so much fun i'm talking right now with greg walton founder and head of Studio Dotto yes. in Coral Gables, Florida. Yes. Hospitality design firm. 99% of your work, you told me, is, is in ships. In ships. <laughs> and I found out last night at the opening reception not to call them boats. Oh, yeah. No, that's a big no-no. <laughs> and you got to remember, floors are decks. Ah. Uh, Columns are pillars. <laughs> All right. See? These and are walls are bulkheads. <laughs> <laughs> These are important things we need to know. So first of all, Greg, let me just thank you for taking some time out of your schedule to talk with me today. Let me tell you a little bit about Break Some Dishes. Um, if you haven't listened to any of our episodes yet, what I really try to do is, is talk to people about uh, we really focus on climate activism, right? We know that our planet is in a precarious position. Yep. 
And we try to find people that are doing things um, outside the norm, breaking the status quo, breaking dishes of their own. And we bring those conversations back. And we try to share them with the interior design industry. So I have a partner in crime, Verda Alexander, who's a, um, uh, an artist and a designer. She's a founder of uh, Studio O Plus A out in San Francisco. So she brings that creative element to our conversation. And we're really, we're long overdue to sit down with a designer and just have a conversation about design and the challenges that you face every day. Um, I talked with John Ingleton earlier, and, you know, the cruise industry is slowly moving in the right direction. But it's challenging. There's not standards that you can follow. You know, as a cruise ship designer, talk to me about some of the challenges as sustainability becomes a, a bigger and bigger conversation. I really would like to talk about that, but I want to sort of say something first about the industry, the cruise yeah. industry in, in, in its entirety, yeah. you know, as a whole. You know, there's been a lot of criticism in the past of the cruise industry dumping like bilge water into the oceans and you everybody know, all loves of this stuff. to hate and, on the cruise industry. Right. right? And, and you're right. They seem to be a target. Um, years ago, when I was doing work with celebrity cruises, I was fortunate enough to be walked around um, one of the ships in the lower decks that no passenger would ever go to. Um, you know, basically the heartbeat of the ship, you know, what supports it from you know hotel operations okay. etc yeah and it was an interesting tour because i learned so much about how much the industry does from a sustainable point of view that people do not really know happens nor does the industry actually ever talk about they don't do a good job of sharing and yeah. i've sort of sort of been like champion the cause the interesting thing is everything that you would discard on a ship in the way of rubbish, even if you don't separate it, say, in your own stateroom or somewhere in the public area, when all that rubbish goes to the, down into the, the service decks of the ship, every piece of cardboard, every piece of aluminum, every piece of glass, at the time I toured the ship, every piece of plastic, uh, is separated yeah. And when the ship comes into its turn port, all of that is sent to recycling. As far as the the garbage, it's incinerated to heat w water on the ship. Okay. So there is nothing going into a landfill on a ship. Yeah. The other thing is all their water is produced through rapid desalination. Okay. And in, and today many ships are what we call water positive. That when they're sitting in a port, they can actually pump potable water to that port if need be. Oh, um, wow. I did. Why? <laughs> see, why? Why don't we? I mean, you know, that's what I'm telling you. No yeah. one talks about this stuff. So, I, you know, and then the other thing that you, you find out is the way besides burning the garbage. Yeah. Incinerating the garbage. They also capture the heat off the funnels to heat water on board the ship. So I You're like making the, a good I case like, for them. You're making like a to, good case for them. I, I like to put that message out there because they aren't the environmental tyrants that people... God, we love to make them out to be. <laughs> we love to hate on them, man. We do. Yeah, yeah. Well, so 
you're speaking operationally very eloquently. You know your you know how these ships you've obviously been around them a lot. From a materials perspective, I'd be interested in hearing what, what your opinion is. Well or you your know, experience. I would say one of the things that we do in our design is we do have to follow regulations, which is safety of life at sea. Okay. Uh, but the one thing is we have to worry about combustibility, much the same way that aircraft designers have to think about combustibility. Yeah. Um, so a lot of materials we use, we don't really use any very limited amount of natural wood. Um, and a lot of the materials we use are sort of inherently sustainable. How so? Well, we have to use Axminster carpet. And okay. wool is a sustainable... This is carpet for the decks. This is carpet for the decks, not the <laughs> floors. <laughs> and wool is actually a sustainable product. Absolutely, yeah. Now, the, the issue with wool is you cannot take that carpet up and recycle it like you can nylon carpet. Yeah, yeah. So that is a big challenge, and it's a challenge that the industry really designers and the ship owners are working on because when it comes to refurbishing a ship, yeah, that carpet we cannot recycle. Um, we've How often do the ships get refurbished? Is it like a hotel room? Not as not to the frequency of hotels. You know, okay. hotels tend to refurbish five to seven years. Maybe some even faster than that. Ships, it tends to be more in about a 10-year cycle. And um, Okay. It's it, not bad. It is getting... It's almost like, uh, like grade-A office space. Yes. Right? Turns yeah. every 7 to 10 years, right? Okay, so... So when we're, you know, to that point, when we're designing a ship... Yeah. We're designing things to last. Yeah. In a way, much more so than I would say resort or urban hotels would where we have that in the back of our mind the whole time yeah we have you know the other thing that we we use a lot of materials that that we're like plastic laminate and things like that to imitate wood yeah and the companies we work with now are doing a much more environmentally safe most of our most of our products especially in the new build work are sourced out of Europe and Europe is so far ahead of the United States yeah they are right in yeah. in companies you know really trying to become cradle to cradle so to speak yeah you know i know i i take in point and it's sort of a funny joke here with with my dog Enzo being here we work with a company called Dansk Wilton to do stateroom carpet okay um, they've now created a carpet. Enzo, who, it, by the way, is, is starting to fall asleep, yeah, which is probably he, not a good sign he's for our podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hope he, hopefully Italian greyhounds are not our target audience. <laughs> <laughs> I, apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> or, or he's just heard me rant so much that he's like, <laughs> oh, here noise. he goes again. You're just white noise to him. Yeah. <laughs> but it, they, Dan Wilton has created this carpet where they use undyed sheep's wool. So, you know, for the most people, you probably think, oh, well, wool comes in one color, but it doesn't. Depending on where sheep are from, yeah, okay. how long they've been exposed to the sun, the environment they're in, wool naturally 
has different colors. So they've created yarns. So after they clean it and everything, mm -hmm. it, it still has still a, a multiple colors. Okay. And um, they produce carpet. And we're doing this on a ship now that we design for Oceania Cruises, the new Vista ship that'll come out um, in March of 23. All of our carpet and all the suites and accommodations is made from this natural wool product undyed. So from a sustainable point of view, there's no dyes, there's no kind of toxic element in the dye process that's in this carpet. Okay. So this carpet is, you know, unless you have an allergy to wool, isn't going to do harm to the air quality or to yeah. you who, as an individual. And the manufacturing process. Right, exactly. Or someone who could be very sensitive to all the chemical additives we put in everything today. Yeah. So that was a big conscious effort on our part to use that product. It sounds like you have some good options for materials if you're trying to really stay on the, the cutting edge of, of good, sound, responsible design. No? We, we do. I think the options are growing every day that we have. Yeah. Um, it's really a matter of the... You know, to your point earlier, there really is no sort of enforcement agency yeah, of yeah, this. Yeah. I mean, years ago, I was working on a project. It became the Quantum Class ships for Royal Caribbean. And Royal Caribbean approached us about what would a ship be in a lead scorecard? You know, what would wow. be its lead ranking? Okay. okay. We quickly basically went through the lead scorecard. Obviously, anything to do with the site. The I ship's mean, not sitting on a fixed piece of land, so yeah. you really, you're not going to get any points there. But when we started looking at the other things I told you, like, um, especially when it came to water, yes. you know, reduction of use of water, oh, et cetera, yeah. um, it was, you could get a ship lead silver without really trying. Until you factor in probably the, the carbon footprint from all that fuel they have to burn. Right. But, yeah, you know, the good the thing only... about today, the industry, we're seeing a bunch of ships being delivered that are using uh, liquefied natural gas, LNG. Okay. Um, matter of fact, the ship we liquefied worked on for gas. Carnival, okay. the Carnival Mardi Gras, the sister ship, Celebration, which is about to be delivered, and the third ship in the class, which is um, Jubilee, all are all right. LNG. Now, have you uh, ever heard of green ammonia? Yes. Okay, so that's another fuel type. We actually had somebody on one of our episodes earlier on with Break Some Dishes um, who was talking about green ammonia. So I was just wondering... Yeah. Are you seeing that? Is that no? We've seen it. we've seen LNG, but I think the cruise ship industry, in my opinion, views that as an interim measure to reduce emissions. The LNG, because, yes, okay, because um, Solus Safety of Life at Sea, yeah, the regulations are really putting strict requirements on pollutants coming out of the funnels, and as we approach the deadlines. You're, you're seeing alternative fuels. A lot of the smaller um, expedition ships are actually going electric. They're running off of batteries. Cool. Um, now, so the, the liquefied natural gas, not to get too nerdy, but is that a whole new engine or is that? Yes, it's of, a different engine. 
Entirely. It's a different okay. So that's a big investment. That's a yeah, huge investment. Yeah, it's a big investment. You know, um, what we call bunkering, which is when a ship's sitting in port and they're refueling it, it's a whole different bunkering process. They're not parked. I'm not going to bore you Great. with they're not parked. They're bunkered. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, the other All thing, right. speaking of going into ports, we a client that we work with, Norwegian Cruise Lines. Yeah. Their new terminal, they're doing what is um, shoreside power. So when okay. the ship is sitting in port on the turn day, it's plugged into the municipality electrical power and the engines aren't running. Wow. And, and these ships. And that's that are... going to be, you're going to see the port of Los Angeles yeah. has already done that. Norwegian actually has implemented it here in Miami. They're the first to do so. Okay. Um, Obviously, the others are going to do it as well. Yeah. So this this is another thing that really isn't talked about a lot. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Crazy. I, I think we need to embark on an ad campaign for the cruise lines. That, you know, <laughs> because there's a whole generation of consumer now that is really concerned about impact, and they want to align themselves with with brands that understand that. So it's. The problem is they probably aren't old enough yet to have families that they want to take on cruises. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I have to say, I will, you know, the, I mean, we're sitting here in Miami at the, at the, you know, Cruise Ship Interior Expo. And part of yeah. the reason it takes place here is what we in the industry call the big three. Carnival Corporation, Royal Caribbean Group, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings are yeah. all headquartered here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being a design firm and working with all three of those. Yeah. We're very, I would say we're very lucky that we end up learning what the industry is doing. Okay. And it is led by the private sector and they are doing everything to, to make ships impact on the environment less and less and less. And, you know, air quality is the big one. Now they're even painting, you know, the whole of the ship with special paints. Um, yeah. That are, you know, non-toxic like to the ocean, yeah. et cetera. Are, where are you learning? Are you learning from the manufacturers and from the clients, like the big three? I, I would say more so. I learn from the client. From the, the client. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then manufacturers that obviously supply us materials for our part in the industry in the design portion. Yeah. Um, but... There's, a, you know, you sort of learn by osmosis. You sit in meetings. Yeah. And as architects in the industry, our firm wants to know more than just the program for the space we're doing. We, in, we really enjoy the industry we work in, and we want to become knowledgeable beyond design. Yeah. About our industry. Yeah. So we read a lot. We get a lot of information from publications to really see what is the trend overall in the industry we work in. And I think that's one of the things that as an architect and designer, no matter what industry you work in, it's sort of your duty and responsibility to, to learn beyond your piece of the puzzle. Um, and yeah. fully understand the the big picture approach. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm interested to get your perspective. What would really help the industry, in your opinion, as as it tries to continue to move towards more uh, 
more responsible impact? Educate the consumer or the potential consumer, the potential guest. I think there is, you know, a message here to be delivered. And I think there's a big opportunity to sort of there's an Shift. awareness campaign here. You mentioned it a little bit, you know, with the, the client that, that asked you to kind of create a lead certification for shipping. Is that something that would help? You think, is that the direction? You know, do we need some building certification? I would like to see the regulatory bodies create something like Bream in the UK or Lead in the US that would give some type of rating and, and that that would be more in the forefront of a conversation. I think with or without that kind of measuring stick, yeah. all of us involved in the industry are very conscious of it. Yeah. And we do everything in our power to lessen the impact on the environment. So as we wrap up here, because I don't want to take up too much of your time, and you've been very generous, and thank you. It's, it was really great meeting you and getting a chance to talk with you about this. I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me one of your favorite anecdotes about ship design? Is there, is there something that stands out in your years of experience? Um, you know, for me, I would say the biggest thing when I think about the design on ships, and I, and I think about this for design of anything, is we're creating an environment for people. And when we're working on a, on a ship, we're creating an environment for a family, uh, newlyweds, yeah. whoever, yeah. to go really have a wonderful time yeah. and escape their day-to-day work life, et cetera. Yeah. And that's very Im- Im- important to keep that in mind. And I've had... That's a responsibility, right? It is, and some people may say, well, you know, it's not like brain surgery, but it, it, I find, and and for me, I find that our clients are all committed to creating the best vacation experience that possibly could happen. And so I want people, when they leave a ship, just like our clients do, that when they're walking off that gangway, that their last thought is, this is the best vacation I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, if you think about from a health and wellness perspective, I mean, how important, we don't get a lot of vacations. So to think that, you know, you have an opportunity to make sure that somebody has a really special experience with their family, right? Where they can build relationships, where they can create stronger bonds. I mean, you can't underplay that. That's a, that's a big deal, right? It so, is. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks for spending time. I really I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. It's great to hear your perspective on things. If you've enjoyed today's episode, drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. To hear more trailblazers taking on the world's issues through the lens of design, visit us at breaksomedishes.com. I'm Verda Alexander. And I'm John Strasner. And you've been listening to Breaks and Dishes. <laughs>